for lack of a better way of saying it, IVF is an elective procedure. I don't necessarily agree with that. I think that, you know, there's certainly people that have a need for IVF and maybe, you know, personally, I think it could be treated differently. Whoever thought making a baby could be so hard? Luckily, the fertility journey isn't meant to be traveled alone. Eloise Drain has helped hundreds of people build and grow their families over the last 15 years. And she's ready to share her insider knowledge and expertise with you. So grab a seat and let's talk fertility and alternative family building in the Fertility Cafe. Hello, and welcome to Fertility Cafe. I'm your host, Eloise Drain. Health insurance is an important aspect of every surrogacy journey, but for many, it's a topic which inspires confusion. Oftentimes, any one person starting the journey in third party are often taken aback by all of the many insurance options and considerations. Luckily, you don't have to go it alone. There are trusted professionals who have dedicated themselves to offering guidance and specialized policies specifically for surrogacy and egg donation. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Jason Smith, the founder and president of International Fertility Insurance. He and his team now provide hopeful parents as well as agencies the solutions required with unparalleled service. They are passionate about playing whatever role they can and helping with the creation of new families. Jason Smith is the founder and president of International Fertility Insurance, IFI, a leading provider of insurance and services to cover surrogacy and egg donation. He is a frequent speaker to the surrogacy industry on the insurance options for a surrogacy journey. Jason's passion for insurance for third-party reproduction in surrogacy started with his own personal struggle with fertility. He experienced firsthand fertility treatment, early labor, medically ordered bed rest, and the NICU. Prior to launching IFI, Jason had been providing insurance and financial solutions since 2008, matching insurance to the surrogacy journey since 2014. He was the leading writer of life insurance death benefit among over 18,000 agents for several years in a row at State Farm Insurance, where his area of focus was life and disability insurance for surrogates. International Fertility Insurance specializes in surrogate pregnancy and egg donation insurance needs, including IVF complication insurance, surrogate life and disability insurance, surrogate maternity plans, and newborn insurance, as well as a variety of consulting practices, including medical billing management and local or outside monitoring management. Jason's top focal points are high touch customer service and providing an abundance of education for intended parents, agencies, attorneys, and fertility clinics. Welcome, Jason. Thank you for joining me. Although I shared a bit about your bio, I would like to start off by um, having you share a bit about yourself first. Sure. Uh, well, as relates to this business, uh, I've been doing uh, insurance since 2008. And right around 2014, I had a good friend of mine uh, that was struggling with fertility. And um, actually, even predating that, I had some challenges with fertility back in, gosh, uh, 2004 or so. Uh, but uh, in 2014, a good friend of mine was about to start his sixth round of IVF. And he and his wife were, were just really struggling with this. And I was just having a glass of wine with him one night and just sort of chatting about it. And I said, well, gosh, you know, what, uh, what, what would be next? And he said, uh, probably surrogacy. And I, and I knew what that was, but I wasn't really um, that familiar with it. Uh, my dad was an obstetrician, a gynecologist. So I had sort of baby making in my, in my blood, but uh, I was sort of had this baby making 
part of me. And also I was a, a big life insurance producer with a, a, a real large insurance company. So I had life insurance uh, radar on, I guess. And as my friend said this, I said, huh, I wonder if uh, surrogates might need life insurance. And uh, the next day I just started calling surrogate agencies and over time built you know a, a number of good relationships. And uh, so that's what brought me into it. And then a few years back, decided it was really my, my passion. And I uh, left the company that I was at and started this company. And um, it's just, I just really enjoy what I do every day. On a personal side, I've got three kids of my own. The first, uh, the first real troubled uh, bout with fertility wound up leading to twins. So, oh. um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, thankfully uh, they're now uh, 16 uh, driving and all that. So oh I my. know uh, I, I've seen, I've seen it from the beginning to the end mm -hmm. and, um, uh, and I have all girls at that. So it's, oh uh, my. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I got 16 year old twin girls. Uh, but um, but in that in that process, I also you know we we went from not not even being able to achieve pregnancy to realizing what the issue was, getting on a, a fertility medication, and then winding up with twins, and that wound up becoming a very complicated pregnancy that involved several months of bed rest and the NICU and all these things, and it just so I I while I. Uh, well, I didn't have a baby through surrogacy. I, uh, I certainly understand some of the dynamics of, of, of pregnancy challenges. So I think that helps a little bit in my day to day as well. But uh, just just pleased to do this, really have a passion for it. And it's uh, full circle to now be, you know, uh, at a place to be on a podcast with you. Oh, awesome. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, so I'm going to jump into really my first question, because I know that unfortunately, insurance can be intimidating for many people. And I, for one, know way more about insurance than I ever thought that I would possibly know in my lifetime. And I do want to say that, of course, the good news is that when you work with a a reputable agency that will take care of the insurance considerations, you hope that that agency owner or the people that are in there do have some kind of understanding when it comes to insurance. But we are definitely not the end all be all. And it's more of we know who to go to ask for the information and what we're seeking. So with that, first, let's kind of talk about intended parents and their insurance. Because unfortunately, I know that the majority, I know there's what, 19 states now that have the mandated insurances, but it is not common for intended parents' insurance to pay for surrogacy or to pay for egg donation, which typically then turns out to where a lot of the uh, intended parents want the surrogates to use their insurance for surrogacy. So can we talk about the surrogate using her plan to cover the pregnancy for, you know, obviously a surrogacy pregnancy. Sure, sure. So uh, as I think it out, the two most expensive pieces uh, are the maternity coverage as well as the newborn coverage. And the newborn coverage is usually at least only relevant to international intended parents Usually, at least, and we can chat about you know the, the word usually, but usually the you know when we're talking about someone that's in the United States, usually they can put the baby on their on their plan. The there is uh, an importance in 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 checking in with their insurer and making sure that there's uh, proper 
you know, coverage and is it in network, out of network and so forth. But, but the, probably the, the most expensive part of, of this is, is the maternity coverage. It applies to every single case. And I think that, uh, it's, it's, uh, maybe 50% of the time, uh, the sur the surrogates insurance will cover the, the, uh, uh a surrogate pregnancy, um, and maybe 50% of the time it doesn't. And uh, it's, you know, and that's just what we see, right? So we may actually not see all the cases. There might be, um, there might be agencies that know, you know, this plan works because we've used it earlier in this year or early in this open enrollment period. And so we already know. So we may not even get that case sent to us to evaluate, but um, of all the ones that we evaluate, we do we have a, a team that does insurance reviews um, where we're looking for exclusions and liens and so forth. Probably fifty percent of them cover it, and when they do, it, it, it's it's important to distinguish that it covers basically from a let's call it you know the the confirmation of pregnancy. It doesn't typically cover anything related to IVF. It's, for lack of a better way of saying it, IVF is an elective procedure. I don't necessarily agree with that. I think that, you know, there's certainly people that have a need for IVF and maybe, you know, personally, I think it could be treated differently, but from the insurance company's perspective, uh, it's not the surrogate that's, that's, that's got fertility challenges. It's, it's intended parents, uh, be it naturally or be it that they're, you know, two two gay men or two gay women for example that you know, obviously can't uh, naturally conceive a baby uh, you know just with their own sperm or eggs so it's uh, you know the ivf itself is not generally ever covered by the surrogate's insurance but when from the point that she if if her plan does not have exclusions or uh it does not have exclusions let's leave it at that uh, then it will typically cover from the start of pregnancy until until the delivery and beyond. So, you know, six, six weeks postpartum, you know, so forth is typically also covered by her plan. And let me jump back real quick in, in and, and talk about laying out the types of insurance which might may be involved in specifically a surrogacy journey. So we already talked about the newborn insurance. Um, what other policies, again, specifically to a surrogacy journey is out there? Uh, sort of looking at a timeline from start to finish. It starts with the IVF process. We have coverage for the donor for complications of IVF. We also have coverage for the surrogate for complications throughout the IVF process. Um, and, th and, th and those are not to pay for the IVF, but they're for the, the complications that could result. Then moving on, you've got life insurance for the surrogate, which can either be through a term life insurance policy uh, or there's also a very specialized surrogate uh, life policy that we offer, which also has some some optional coverages like loss of reproductive organs, permanent dis disability, or coverage for the intended parents for their financial loss. Um, moving on, you've got uh, surrogate disability coverage. We've got a, cover, a policy that can, can cover hospitalization due to complications, as well as a policy that's more specific to surrogate bed rest, whether she's in or out of the hospital. Then uh, we may have mentioned it previously, but uh, not in this much depth, uh, there's maternity insurance. So probably the most expensive and complicated piece of the puzzle. It starts with, or uh, the various ways of doing that would be an ACA policy, uh, Affordable Care Act, that is, policy, or if that's not an option, um, sometimes her employer-based insurance can cover that. 
Um, if that's also not an option, we have a choice of either waiting for a specific open enrollment period for an ACA type of plan, or uh, we have uh, a couple different ways to, to cover her through uh, what I would just say are alternative surrogate maternity plans. We have our own uh, IFI surrogacy maternity plan, which is backed by uh, Lloyd's of London, you know, the, the world's biggest, strongest uh, specialized insurer, as well as we have a sort of a legacy Lloyd's of London uh, program for that as well. So a couple different routes that are both backed by the same provider. And then there's the newborn insurance that we already mentioned. Yep. Now, how is the coverage of the surrogates policy assessed? Uh, so we have a we have a we have it reviewed by attorneys and um, as well as our staff. It, it what we're doing there is we're looking through her policy. It's usually about a hundred and twenty five page document, um, and we're we're looking for uh, key phrases related to surrogacy throughout that document. And so we're looking for exclusions. We're all, we're it, it it can be very cloudy. Sometimes it will. It might look like it's an exclusion, but it's really saying just that. Uh, sometimes it'll be very confusing, like that. Uh, that it it will the difference between covering her being a surrogate versus hiring a surrogate, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a real key piece to really understand well within the documents. We're also looking for liens, and a lien for anyone that's not knowledgeable and that is not the same thing as like a lien on your home. It's a um, for lack of a better term, it's a it's like a extra deductible where if a surrogate is being compensated, uh, it can be up to her full compensation in some states. And in California, where I am, it, there's a statute that says it's usually a third or a half of her compensation. But but nonetheless, we're looking for these lean for lean language as well, which allows uh, an insurer, perhaps in a state where they're maybe not allowed to exclude surrogacy that they can impose this lien, which basically says we'll cover the claim, but only after we recovered whatever she was being paid, you know, to for this process. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're looking for that. We're also looking if it's an employer plan, we're looking for is it self-funded? And where this comes into play is self-funded employer plans are basically where the employer is taking on some of the risk. And the employer plans in general uh, have looser language than an ACA plan. Um, the great part about an employer plan is that they're usually subsidized in part by the employer, so they can be very cost effective. This works, but uh, they also have less rules and regulations than the sort of federally run program uh, that is the ACA. Uh, and so they 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 don't have to quite as clearly say whether it covers or doesn't. In fact, it may not even say anything about surrogacy at all. Mm-hmm. And so then it becomes a question of, do you want to trust it or not? And um, I think I didn't actually mention it, but a, a sort of a, another variation of the maternity plan is we have what's called a secondary or backup or contingency plan, which is something that can sit behind these types of uh, situations just in case the the, the plan changes or she moves or uh, she loses her job or any of these things. And all of a sudden she's left without coverage. There's, then you'd have a sort of backup plan to sit behind it. So is it more common than not for insurance policies to be found exclusionary? I mean, I know just mm, maybe even five years ago, it was very common for us to be able to find a surrogate with insurance through her employer, spouse's employer that didn't have any exclusions and more times than not, we could use her plan. But now it's not necessarily 
the case. So what is your thoughts on that? I, I actually surveyed my team ahead of this ahead of this call. I don't know. We probably have the data, but I don't know. We, well, we, de- we definitely have the data and we have every one of our reviews, but I don't know that we've actually tracked it. But a, a general feeling that was pretty much a consensus amongst multiple people on my team is that it's about 50-50. Mm-hmm. It's um, and I would agree with you. It used to be probably more like eighty twenty, where you know, or seventy five twenty five that that it would cover. And now mm-hmm. it's it's it seems like it's waning. And I think that uh, it a lot of the intended parents I talk to about this are very confused because many of them are from other countries where they just get health insurance and it's just it's just it just happens and everything's covered. And mm-hmm. you know they uh, and so they're so confused by this, like why. Wouldn't it be covered? And I, for anyone on you know listening to this that has that kind of a question, I would just say from the insurance, it's it is quite different when you're talking about surrogacy. And this is not to say that surrogacy is a an inappropriate thing. I think it's wonderful. It's obviously I'm I'm in this industry, but I think from the like I have health insurance and I am not planning to have another child, and so I'll probably have the same health insurance for ten years. Mm-hmm. And so if I need a, some sort of minor medical procedure, they'll have received my premium year after year after year. But in a case of a surrogacy, I am like aggressively trying to get pregnant within months, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm creating one of the most expensive things that an insurance company will ever see. Uh, you know, it's it, it, there is worse things maybe cancer or something like that. But aside from that, I mean, this is one of the riskiest uh, situations for an insurer in terms of, you know, the cost. And so where they, where they might get, you know, a thousand dollars of insurance premium, they, they're, they're bound to be paying out far more than that on the, on a, on a pregnancy. So they're, you know, it's their goal, I would say, to not have to cover this. And some states allow it and some states don't allow it. And it's just, yeah, it's a, Mm-hmm. It's it's very confusing for people that aren't from America as to why this would be the, this case. And, no, it's uh, it's confusing for people in America too. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I don't think it's just international. And and to be clear, let's talk real quickly about what is not covered by the surrogates health insurance. So we know that the preconception portion is not covered by the surrogates medical insurance, IVF, and so forth. But what other things? Um, is not typically covered um, for through her insurance. Sure. So it's um, to be clear, what is covered, I would say in general, presuming that there's no exclusion, would be you know her her maternity care and the delivery and the the, the postpartum recovery. Uh, what what isn't what what maybe is and maybe isn't are things like uh, midwives and birthing centers. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think that. In many cases, they are, but it's important to to be aware of that. And even in the even with like specialty plans, some of them will allow it as long as there is a a doctor and hospital in the background, just in case, kind of. So uh, there, you know, there has to be there has to be that. That's an important thing to point out. What's also not generally covered would be um, genetic testing. Um, so mm-hmm. the, the newborn care. So, um, with the exception, perhaps, of post-birth order states, which which basically means this is just to distinguish uh, uh, dis- distinguishing who's who's the legal guardian, if you will, yeah. or parent of the baby that has just been born. Some many states have 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 a pre-birth order where the intended parents really truly are the parents at the birth. 
other states, it's more of a the paperwork has to be filed after the fact. And in theory, in those states, it might be possible that the that the surrogate's insurance might, in theory, cover the baby. Now, some uh, not not to take a, a standpoint on this. Some some believe that's a great idea. Others don't. And even if it is the case, they they don't want to you know try to use her insurance. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, but but yeah, I would say genetic testing, IVF itself. Um, anything sort of experimental in nature, um, and then the the newborn care. And I would also probably add IVF medications, typically. Yeah. Um, and anything related to the IVF. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or monitoring appointments, clinic procedures. Even if she is deemed pregnant while she's at the fertility clinic after the transfer, they haven't released her to the obstetrician. Most often, her policy cannot be used there. So, right, it's a good a good way of of it, well, there's probably some exceptions. A good way of thinking of that is as soon as she's released to the OB. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Um, how often do you see IPs whose surrogate is found to have a reliable policy purchase additional coverage? Yeah. So. Um, we're we're pretty aggressive. So I, I say this over and over again, but we're we're aggressive in educating. We're never aggressive in in pushing anything. So um, we we don't ever say you know you really 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 got to have this. It's you know and you're you're a bad person if you don't take this plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, we 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 just try to educate. Um, it's my goal that every single case we work on learns about what we call the secondary maternity plan or some call it the backup or contingency plan. I think it's I think it's really important that people understand the risk and then make their own decision. So our goal would be that all the agencies we work with and attorneys and and you know independent cases that they all learn about this plan whether they buy it or not it's up to them and and you know I would say probably it's probably like 60% due may you know 65% due and maybe 30 you know 40 or 35% don't but and maybe it's a little higher but it you know we have some there's some waiting in that we have some super large uh, agencies that we work with that um, that you know just buy it on every single case and it's like it's not it's like a rule that you have to have it mm-hmm. um, so that probably skews the numbers but the um, if you take them out of the out of the fold um, it might be 60 40 or 65 35 that that buy this and it's it's just the you know uh, I think we we briefly touched on it earlier but there's a lot there's a handful of risks all of which are very unlikely to happen, but they all could happen. Some of the risks I think are greater than others. Like if your plan is going to renew middle of the pregnancy, it is a big risk because all you've got is is a plan that is guaranteed to work the same way it does until the renewal. At that point, the employer could change the plan. If it's a plan on on January 1st, it's up for change and, and it could go away completely. It could all of a sudden have exclusions. It could it could all of a sudden have a lien. Um, we have we see insurance carriers every year kind of go into certain markets and exit certain markets. So, like even right now, I can think of of insurance companies that are expanding their expanding into four more states, six more states that last year or this year at least have covered surrogacy. So my assumption is they're going to cover it next year. But and so great, six more states they'll they'll be there. But they might just be expanding their network. But all of a sudden putting an exclusion on surrogacy. Mm -hmm. We don't know yet. Well, and let's actually talk about, so talking about the Affordable Care Act um, and being able to uh, purchase a plan for the surrogates 
that either don't have insurance or have a policy with an exclusion. And I mean, good thing this year was that the ACA plan had open enrollment twice. Well, it had already had it once already when it opened what in March or whatever, and then it ended in August. And then it's going to open back up again in November. And God willing, that will happen again next year because it just made life so much easier. Um, But let's dive into the ACA plan because I think there is a lot of confusion for people like, okay, I mean, it's a plan that you can just purchase. Why shouldn't we get it? all year long. And then there's also this misunderstanding from a lot of people um, that not all of these plans that are offered will be able to be utilized for surrogacy because there are exclusions in those plans too. And so why don't you touch a bit on the Affordable Care Act and kind of how the pros and cons of purchasing that policy works? Yeah. So uh, let's just talk about the general timeline. Then we'll talk about pros and cons. Maybe. So general timeline, typically you can buy it. Typically we start to see plans around the middle of October and we can start to put people in them usually around the middle of November. Um, there, there's some variations. Um, some states are, are open a bit longer than others, but um, usually in November and December, we can put someone into a plan, but it will it will have a January 1st start date. And there are, like I said, there are some, some exceptions. Some states will go until say the end of, end of January or even into the middle of February, perhaps. Some states even longer under certain circumstances, but, um, but generally that's your window. And this year, like you said, was, was unusual. And with COVID concerns, uh, they, they kept it open and open and open. It was, I think it was supposed to be until April, then it became until August. And some states or a few states are still open. Um, but uh, it, in general, in, co- in normal years, November, December for a January 1st start date. And, and again, we talked about it earlier, but you know, people would ask, but why? Why can't I get it in July or so forth? The idea is that they give you this window so that you don't go without coverage. And then all of a sudden, once you realize you have cancer, buy a new plan, right? It, it, or once you realize you're pregnant, buy a plan mm-hmm. or change your plan. You know, they want you to lock in for, so the insurance providers can uh, can can have a set amount of premium to match up with the risks that they're taking. Um, so then the pros and the cons. So the, the, pro, the biggest, biggest, biggest pro of the ACA is it has an unlimited benefit. So it, when we compare it to the other options out there, typically there's a $500,000 limit on on the specialty plans, you can you can get that increased for for additional premium if you want. I, I think a competitor of ours might might have a two hundred fifty thousand dollar plan, but uh, usually you know most of them are five hundred thousand, let's say. Whereas the ACA plan unlimited, and where that where that can come into play too is 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 if we're looking at singleton versus like a multiple embryo transfer, the 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 specialty plans are even more expensive. Whereas an ACA plan, it really doesn't matter if you have one or four babies. You 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 know if you have you know you just increase your complication of pregnancy risk, but you're going to have a maximum out of pocket. You know if you hit it, you hit it, and it doesn't matter whether you barely exceed it or whether you have two million dollars of claims. It's still you know you your 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 risk is capped, and so that's probably the biggest benefit of the ACA. The cons or the the the, the concerns are timing. Um, you know, you've got this, this, this short window typically, which means if you want to get pregnant in or have a you know, surrogate pregnancy in July, 
you're, you're kind of out of luck. You, you, you really just, you're gonna have to wait six months. And I, you know, we, we, we talk with all sorts of parents with all sorts of parent intended parents. It is with all sorts of circumstances that they're, they're, they're wanting and ready to have a, a baby as soon as they can. And they don't want to wait six months. And so timing is a, is a concern. Um, the other factor that as relates to that is commonly a lot of the agencies will, will then try to, map out of uh, the, the IVF to start to, to, to achieve pregnancy right around New Year's. And if you're unsuccessful, then, well, then you're gonna need a second transfer. And now the second transfer might be two or three months later, and hopefully that works. If that works, you're probably gonna still get have your delivery in that same year. If, if however, your second transfer doesn't work, you're unquestionably, unless you're unfortunate to have a really early delivery, you're, you're, you're going to deliver in the, in the next, next year. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and because of that, you, um, you're, you don't have a certainty that the plan that you just bought will even exist at the time of your delivery. Mm-hmm. Um, or it might be surrogate friendly now, but have exclusions that come on. Um, so we're shooting this in 2021 right now or, or recording that, but it, you know, if somebody was planning on a January 1st, pregnancy, let's just call it with uh, of 2022, if, if a couple of transfers don't work, they're going to deliver in 2023. Mm-hmm. And they don't know that their plan will even be there for the delivery. So that's where you got to have that. Or my, my opinion, it's a good idea to look at that secondary plan. The other thing is, is the networks. So number one, when, when, when we're looking for ACA plans, we're, we're, we're not only looking for exclusions and liens, we're also looking at does her doctor, is her doctor in network with this plan? Is her hospital in network with this plan? And those networks can change too. And uh, so you might, you might have a, you know, a doctor and hospital that are real friendly on so-and-so plan. And then the next year they're not. And uh, you, you know, but you're going to deliver in March. Mm-hmm. You know? And it's uh, that's something else you got to consider. And that's where you know, again, secondary plan is a, is a good idea. So, you know, the, the big ones are the timing, the renewal concern, will the plan still be there or not? Will And then the surrogate moving, you know, sometimes I talk about this and people say, no, it's in my contract. She's not allowed to move. Life happens. Mm-hmm. And um, you could have a, a super ill parent or uh, get married, get divorced, have your spouse's or partner's job changed. And all of a sudden, there's just a really good reason why you need to move from, you know, uh, Georgia to Louisiana. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe Georgia's a very friendly surrogacy state and uh, maybe Louisiana's not. And mm-hmm. nobody planned on this move to Louisiana, but just happened. And, and, and perhaps now all of a sudden you're, you're, you're without a plan that actually fits any longer. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. again, all these are reasons to consider that backup plan, I think. But um, as long as as long as you know your risks, ACA can be, a, a you know, it's definitely the most generous uh, in terms of coverage. And I would also add too, with the ACA plans, it's not that every insurance company out there also provides those ACA plans. So various right. states might actually have, what was it a year or two years ago where many states really only had one or two plans to choose from. And then yeah. those one or two plans you know, may have had exclusions. I mean, North Carolina was one of those states that none of the plans a couple of years ago had, was able to be utilized by a surrogate because every plan that there was in that state had an exclusion. 
Yeah, and even down, even down, like I'm in a, I'm in an enormous state, California. Um, even down to the county level, it can be, it can be changing. I mean, I, I'm in San Diego, and last year or the year before, there was no plans in San Diego that covered surrogacy, but just, I don't know, 30 minutes north of me in Orange County, they did. Mm-hmm. But it's just, you know, it, it, it can be on the state level, it can be on the county level. It's, it's down. We, you know, we literally look to the surrogate's zip code in terms of what's available. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing, too, that has happened to our surrogates in the middle of a plan uh, or in the middle of a policy, the, her providers became out of network. Yeah. And she had to, I mean, we literally had to scramble to find another delivery hospital, another OB or, you know, all of those things. So that definitely is also something that could happen. Not that it couldn't happen even with a, you know, a plan through an employer, but I saw that it was occurring more with the ACA plan. Not that it happened often, but it did happen a few times um, through the ACA plan. So I think that's another negative portion of of having that plan. Um, So I developed an online course for intended parents who wish to undertake an independent surrogacy journey called Surrogacy Roadmap. And I do believe that independent surrogacy is the most realistic option for some. And the goal of my course was to provide important guide rails to those who wish to pursue such a journey. Um, And we have an entire chapter on insurance, but I wanted to ask you, what words of wisdom do you have for intended parents who were working without the guidance of an agency? And what should they be especially aware of when it comes to the insurance? Wow. Great question. Um, yeah. So we work with a whole lot of agencies and, and attorneys um, that are helping independent cases. Um, and, and you know, often we even talk to intended parents before they've even chosen an attorney. And I think that this is, it's a very complicated web, um, the insurance piece of this. And I think that it, you know, you either need to really have a great resource that maybe has gone through this before or, uh, or, or, you know, or, or a good uh, insurance broker perhaps, but you either, you, you just, you just really need to be educated. It's uh, you know, the, and even, I would even argue, you know, in working with an agency, make sure that that agency, you know, mm-hmm. seems competent about yeah. this. You know, yeah. I think, I think there's two types of agencies. There's the ones that really, really, really know what they're doing. And then there's others that say, okay, well, I'm going to just, you know, I'm going to release this to the, to the insurance broker and they'll take care of it. And I think you want to be, you want to at least have a, have a feeling like your agency mm-hmm. knows what they're talking about at least. Mm-hmm. But if you but there's lots of people out there that, that just can't afford an agency, perhaps, and um, and are going to go the independent route. And I think you just really need to understand your risks before you just go into this because you're passionate about wanting to have a baby. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like we have, it's great that you've that you've built that that uh, that course. We have a educational resource library, which is a, a bunch of videos of me talking about every single product we offer. And, and I try to update these about every I don't know, four months or six months. And, um, it, you know, I think you just, I just would say that you really need to know what you're doing. You, you, you know, I, I can't tell you how many people blindly thought that they're, that the, that, like they read the plan themselves and they, they, they didn't see surrogacy specifically excluded. Um, and so they just think it's going to work, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I think, like we really try to not have people pay money for they don't need to. 
if we know uh, that that something's not needed, we'll tell we'll tell them. But like, it's just worth it to get an insurance review, for example. It's worth it to spend the time. Maybe it's not even a cost, but just like the, the, the time value. But to t- talk to someone like myself or or even our competitors and 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 ask these questions. Really, like I don't know, everything you just talked about in this podcast, like everything's mm-hmm. relevant and then mm-hmm. some you know mm-hmm. and uh and 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 i just think that there's a lot that you know it's not every time that we get hey how much will all of these things cost can you give us like a full cost of everything but when you add it all up it's it's, just, it's even even if you're lucky enough that your surrogates insurance will cover it's still expensive yes. and um i think that some people just don't really understand you know, you asked me the question about all the different types of insurance and there's like five, six categories and they're, they're all, they're all relevant. Yes, they're all relevant. And I would also add to the fact that, you know, especially when people are doing independent surrogacy, they automatically assume, oh, she has insurance. So I'm just going to go ahead and Mm -hmm. utilize her insurance. And what people don't really understand is just because she has insurance and she's been able to use her insurance for her own pregnancies, surrogacy pregnancy is different than your Mm -hmm. own pregnancy. So just because she was able to use her plan for her policy or through her employer or whatever, doesn't mean that it's always going to be covered. Um, And a lot of times too, people that are doing independent surrogacy may work with somebody who has Medicaid or Medicare. Mm -hmm. And I am one that I completely disagree with somebody using a government provided policy um, to use that for surrogacy. And just to be clear, the ACA or the Affordable Care Act is a matter of fact, can you kind of break that down, the difference between Medicare, Medicaid, and the ACA plan? Because I think everybody kind of lumps them up and says, yeah. oh, okay, they're all yeah. they're all government insurance. So, you know, what's right. the difference? Yeah. So so I would also throw like uh veterans insurance in there as well as like a different similar but different category where it's um Medicare or Medicaid or you know, Medi-Cal or there's there's a handful of different things that are basically the same thing, which is basically like it's a low income uh, or no income uh, option for for people, the American citizens that that for whatever reason uh, are at a lower income level. And it is a way to provide health insurance for everyone um, similar to you know, how many of our international clients may may have but it's 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 not intended to uh it's not intended to be there for the benefit of someone else it's for the benefit of the insured the the, the low income person it's not for her to then use that insurance for the benefit of others mm-hmm. um whereas so that that's similarly uh we have veterans plans that uh are for um you know, folks that have worked, you know, for the as as Army, Navy, Marines, uh, so forth, Air Force, uh, and uh, or other government branches, perhaps, and they uh, they they also may get a benefit of a of a insurance plan that uh, either is completely provided for them or at a substantial discount based on their years of service, and maybe they were injured in in that in their in their war capacity or something like that. Um, it uh, these plans are are intended to be a a a way for this person to have insurance. It's not for this person to act on behalf of someone else and incur a a large medical bill mm-hmm. on behalf of someone else, which is what they're doing in surrogacy. 
Whereas the ACA is also government uh, sponsored, you might say. Um, it's it's government regulated, um, but that's the, the the word government is the end of the of the difference of the of the similarity here. It's 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 just it's just uh, putting some structure behind health insurance for Americans, uh, trying to. Uh, trying to create a good environment for Americans to to not be taken advantage of by the insurance companies, perhaps. Uh, mm-hmm. So it is it is that that's really the difference is the and, and I, I guess you could argue that that's not really intended to to use for the benefit of others as well. But the difference is that generally speaking, the the surrogate is is paying actual insurance premium to these to these providers, whereas on a Medicare Medicaid Medi-Cal plan or, or other similar, similar uh, different name, but same idea around the country, it's it's often free or, or mm-hmm. being you know, either completely or very close to completely provided by the by the government. Right. It, it's definitely not subsidized where, you know, I mean, I know for all of the, the surrogates that we work with that get the ACA plan, I mean, it, it's a pretty penny premium that they're paying mm-hmm. as well as the maximum, you know, out of pocket that they also have to cover. So it's not like, uh, you know, they are getting the plan and, and it's free and, and, you know, no, you're paying a full premium, just like yeah. you would if you had an employer and you had to, you know, contribute to, um, your plan as well. So, it's, it, yeah, unfortunately, it's thousands it's, of dollars yeah. and it's, and it's, and the, and these insurers have taken into consideration surrogacy and they've either decided to include it or not. And they, they based their premiums probably around that. So, mm-hmm. whereas on a Medicare plan, it is just, it's, it's generally free and it's not really, it's not made for surrogacy. Yeah. Absolutely. I know we've spoken mostly about surrogacy journeys, but let's quickly speak about how insurance comes into play for egg donor journeys. Yeah, sure. So um, again, if we go back, the the egg donor, um, and we have a similar plan for surrogates as well, which is, you know, almost, I think, important to mention in this, in this little, little part here, but the, um, the egg donor, so she's acting on behalf of others She's not the one that is having fertility um, challenges to overcome. She's just doing this for the benefit of others. So generally speaking, her insurance won't cover her. Um, there's no insurance really that will cover the cost of anything IVF related. There, there, there's very, there's very few employer plans that might do something, or there's some employer-sponsored situations where you're you can hire somebody to do these things, but. But generally speaking, her insurance won't cover it. And some of the potential risks are uh, ovarian hyperstimulation or OHSS, um, ovarian torsion, allergic reaction to her medication, bleeding, cramping, nausea. Um, and so the way I like to put it whenever I'm talking about this is right now, as we talk, uh, it's 11.55 here in the middle of the day. If I was a donor and I... Uh, felt I didn't feel well right now. And if my clinic was nearby, I might either go to the clinic or call the clinic and say, "Hey, I'm not feeling well. What's going on here?" Mm-hmm. Um, but if it was 12 hours later and it's you know almost midnight, clinic's not open, and mm-hmm. I'm gonna and I don't feel right. Uh, maybe this is my first time doing this, and I have no idea why am I why I'm feeling the way I am. So I'm gonna go to the emergency room. Uh, 
and I may or may not be admitted and hospitalized and so forth. And, and uh, you know, these can be expensive bills. Uh, and so we have an insurance coverage that's uh, called egg donor um, complications insurance. Uh, and it's, it's very, very inexpensive. Uh, and we have coverage anywhere from a hundred thousand to a million dollars. Most people choose two fifty. Doesn't mean that that's the right number, but most of the, you know, I, I think I'm in general. Uh, these claims aren't normally huge, but some of them can be. I, I know of one that was, you know, six figures, uh, not not too long ago. Um, and uh, but you know, even a a twenty thousand dollar bill is a huge, huge bill, mm-hmm. and that's what this uh, egg donor coverage is for. And we have a similar coverage, just to tie it all together. In you know, in the same breath, the uh, uh, for the surrogate that would cover similar things like you know allergic reaction to medication, ectopic pregnancy, ectopic rupture, abdominal pain, cramping, so forth. Mm-hmm. So you know, one these are both sort of IVF related, but you, your question was about egg donor, but yep. I don't know. Too passionate. Yes. No. No. I no. I love it. Absolutely. So I'm curious. It and and I I know every time I even think about it, I get irritated with myself about COVID um, because it has been the topic of everything these last couple of years, and mm-hmm. I'm so over it. But it is part of it is what it is, and it's part of life right now. How has the COVID pandemic affected the field of third party reproductive insurance? Yeah, so real interesting question. Um, it, uh, it was, gosh, you know, I don't, it's, no, I'm not going to make that analogy, but it was like everything just came to a, a standstill all of a sudden. Um, and for a minute, I was like, wow, this is nice to have a little break. Um, <laughs> but then you realized, wait a minute, this whole industry is, 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 is shaken up for a minute. Um, and, you know, clinics, Clinics shut down, um, maybe on their own choice, out of safety for their for their workers, maybe because they were forced to, um, because it was just considered not to be a essential uh, business, um, you know, like a, a supermarket. None of the supermarkets shut down because you, know, you got to go get your food. Mm-hmm. But um, in the government's view, you didn't have to go get um, fertility treatment, mm-hmm. and um, so everything was shut down. Thankfully, it was only seemed to me like um, it was maybe a few months that where it was really, you know, just at a standstill. And uh, and then it started to come back in. But where I think the the bigger impact is that uh, this is a global industry, uh, global, uh, wonderful thing that, that surrogacy is probably 50 percent or something of the business is is international parents coming to have a baby in in America uh, uh, through, through through the through surrogacy and um, it's just recently frankly that the that the travel has has opened up I mean it's it's probably six months ago or nine months ago but it, it for a, it, the the clinics were closed for a bit but then the ability to even be able to travel to to come here really really shut down for a while I think it's I think we've. I, I pray that we've we've gotten through it enough. Um, you know, you've got vaccination rates extremely high here, and uh, and it, it, it and in many other places it's it, similar. Um, and uh, you know, it'll just continue to to hopefully get better and better in terms of vaccination rate. And 
I think if this is not a, a statement on vaccinations, but you know, mm-hmm. I think if, if we uh, if we can maintain that and increase that, then hopefully this 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 shouldn't be an issue. I mean, I've 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 got a, a trip booked to Europe two months from now, and I'm it, I think it's happening. So uh, you know, and that just couldn't have couldn't have happened twelve months ago. So. Yeah. What about for surrogates and egg donors that get COVID for these policies and all these insurance plans that we're talking about, whether it's the ACA or, um, you know, all these other plans, will they cover them if they get sick? So great question. And it's uh, been a a hot topic lately. Um, And so ACA plans, yes. Term life insurance plans, yes. Although, to my awareness, there hasn't been a surrogate that died of COVID, um, and I sure God. hope that I sure hope that there never will be. Yes, um, but uh, but I know there's been concerns, you know, and, and there's been there's been cases. There certainly has been cases where surrogates got COVID. Um, I think that just from the health perspective, it might be a good idea in these times that the surrogate have a health plan, even if even if it's got exclusions. So, for example, they might have. There, there are there are cases where you can have there are there are situations where you're allowed to have two health plans. Um, there, the term that is important is called coordination of benefits, and it's important that uh, surrogate or the agency um, look into plan A. Will, will plan A that she has right now allow a plan B as well? Um, if so, then maybe she can keep her, for example, employer plan that doesn't cover surrogacy, and then take out an ACA plan that does, um, and then maybe you've got the surrogate journey covered by plan B, but you've got COVID for, well, this is a bad example because the ACA would have covered, you know, either way, but um, a different version, let's say there's no ACA plan and you take a, a, a specialty insurance plan for the surrogate pregnancy. To, to, to round out the question, a lot of the, uh, the specialty plans will not cover COVID. And it's something that I'm, um, uh, even yesterday, I sent a note uh, asking, you know, Again, you know, to, to try to see if that could be something that's resolved, maybe for a fee, uh, maybe for lower amounts, whatever the case is. I, I am certainly pushing to see if any reform can happen there. But um, historically, those plans have not covered. They, they're, they're built for covering pregnancy and they're built for, th- you know, on the life plans, for example, they're, they're built life insurance plans. They're built for covering you know, sudden events. They're not built for covering uh, slow-moving illnesses like cancer, for example, and all of a sudden this this COVID that has come in out of nowhere um, is is most similarly related to something like that. It's an illness. It's not. It's not like you just suddenly you know had a big event happen. Um, mm-hmm. So um, it, it's definitely you know when your question about what should in pe- independent cases think about it, it it applies to people that are working with agencies as well. Understanding what what covers this, what covers that, but I think I think a, a safe a safer bet is just in this even over this next year or whatever it is until we hopefully get rid of this thing um, that that she has some insurance which maybe doesn't cover the pregnancy but covers but will cover the COVID. Mm-hmm. Any last words of wisdom for egg donors, surrogates, intended parents, or any other audiences regarding insurance? I think we touched on it, but I'll just sort of reiterate it. Um, we work with a lot, a lot, a lot of agencies, and I don't think it's important whether they're big or small. I think it's important that they have a, a passion for this, that it's not just a business to them, that it's not about uh, the numbers and you know uh, that they that they did 
100 cases this year. I think that it's just it's just super clear to me that there are there are people in this business that really 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 believe in it and 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 work hard and get educated themselves and so forth and then there's others that don't mm -hmm. and i would just um you know i don't know that you need to talk to 10 different agencies or anything like that but i think it's just it's important that you don't stop until you found one that uh, that you really think you know knows what they're talking about has experience um because it, it matters. It, it just, I think that there's, we just, you know, we, we sit in the backdrop and we, we try not to play any favorites or anything like that, but we, we definitely hear of agencies that, that people love and, 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 and you can just tell even in the interaction, you don't have to hear it from the intended parent. You can hear it. You can just, you, you can see the, you know, how involved the agencies are. And um, I just think it matters. And so it just, it's the same thing, whether you're independent or working with an agency, just, do your homework. Really understand all the aspects of the insurance. If you don't, uh, if you don't, you know, feel free to ask me, and we'll we'll certainly we have. Like I said, we've got. You don't even have to work with us. You can get you know our videos and and review them. And uh, you know, depending where you're at in your journey, um, they'll either be ready and relevant now, or or relevant, you know, to at least paint the picture for you. But um, just get educated and and work with someone that seems really passionate about this as well. Awesome. It's been a pleasure speaking with you and I'm certain our listeners have learned a great deal from you and we'll be sure to have all of your information in our show notes. Well, thanks for having me. Thank you. I hope you found this discussion helpful as you weigh your next steps. We would love for you to rate us. So if you haven't yet, go to your listening platform of choice and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. You can follow Fertility Cafe on its Instagram and Facebook channel at Family Inceptions. We'd also love you to share Fertility Cafe with friends and family members who would benefit from the information shared. Join us next week for another conversation on modern family building. Thank you so much for joining me today. Remember, love has no limits. Neither should parenthood. Thank you for joining us in the Fertility Cafe. Whether you're an intended parent, a woman considering egg donation, thinking of becoming a surrogate yourself, or a friend or family member of someone dealing with infertility, we're here to help. Visit our website, thefertilitycafe.com, for resources on fertility, alternative family building, and making this journey your own.